And that's what we are called to do as parents, to raise up our kids and teach them and pass on this knowledge of salvation to our children. Welcome to the Mama Bear Apologetics Podcast. A podcast where we teach you to roar like a mother. And by roar, we mean recognize the message, offer discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and reinforce these ideas with your kids. Unless you want to growl around your house. I mean, that's cool too. <laughs> You're like, check it. We keep it reals. <laughs> that's so bad. You're awesome. Mama Bear Apologetics is a listener-supported program, so if you like what we do, head on over to the Mama Bear Apologetics website and click support. It's time to rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's. Hey there, Mama and Papa Bears. Welcome to another Mama Bear Apologetics podcast, a podcast dedicated to equipping you to raise the next generation to be warriors in the faith. We are in the wonderful Christmas season filled with baking and shopping and spending time with family and all of these things are wonderful, but sometimes they can distract us from the true meaning of Christmas, which is celebrating and focusing on the birth of Christ. So we here at Mama Bear wanted to think up a fun way to help you keep this focus throughout the whole season long. And what better way to do that than Christmas carols? Now, these carols that we're going to be talking about not only tie into each Sunday of Advent, but they are immensely rich with theological significance that is so important for our kids to recognize, but sometimes we can miss them as we sing these during our candlelight services. So we're going to spend the next few podcasts highlighting some of our favorites and expanding upon this theological and philosophical underpinnings of each. So that way you can really help your children understand the nature of God and keep the focus on Christ as you celebrate this Christmas season. Now, the first Sunday of Advent is representative by the theme of hope. And the Christmas carol that we chose that we thought really encapsulated this season of hope was O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Now, this carol is amazing. It was written back in some of the earliest recordings of 1710. And the tune itself even has anchors back in 15th century France. So talk about history. But what's amazing about this song is that it's actually a paraphrase of these Catholic prayers that were often sung the seven days before Christmas. And you'll notice that in each of the seven verses, there's a different attribute of Christ that's emphasized. So we're going to look at each of these verses very briefly and just flesh out some of the background between them. Now, the first one is absolutely beautiful. It's O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Now, probably what's coming to mind are thoughts of Exodus and God's people crying out from, and that makes sense because the title that we're seeing, Emmanuel, means God with us. And this presence with God's people, we see God's faithfulness demonstrated all throughout the Old Testament, leading up to and throughout the New Testament with the birth of Christ and culminating in his death on the cross. And what I really love is, you know, it's this captive cry. They are in bondage, not only literally to other nations, but spiritually as well in bondage to sin, which has caused this sense of separateness, this exile away from God. And the only way for this exile, for this bondage to be alleviated 
is with the coming of the Son of God. And so that's the focus of this verse. It's this ransom that can only be paid by Christ and not by earthly efforts. Now, what's also really neat is if you notice the tune of this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is actually pretty unique with comparing to other Christmas carols because it's not upbeat. It is this mourning, this crying out, which we see. And we actually see this demonstrated throughout the book of Psalms. So in Psalms 48, 7 and 8, we see truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life for the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice. So we see again this emphasis that there is no earthly effort that we human beings can do that can justify us and sanctify us before the Lord. That's not going to happen. Just like with the Old Testament, no animal sacrifice was going to offer a permanent removal of sin. It had to be offered again and again until the perfect sacrifice came, which is Jesus Christ. And we see this again in Psalms 49, 15, but God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol for he will save me. Why? Because that is what he did. Christ came to serve. We see that in Mark 10, 45. He did not come to be served, but to serve as a ransom for many. Only he could pay that ransom. Only he could set the captive free. Because in Romans 5, 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. It is his blood, not only that rescues us from the captivity of sin, but also rescues us from the righteous wrath of God. And it's just beautiful to see that and to know that he personally paid the ultimate price. There's no greater love than that. And he personally wants to be with us. So in that first verse where it says, O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us, we're crying out to God once again, just like the ancient Israelites did for God's presence to be with us. And he is now, when you accept Christ as your savior, he is with you, you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit and nothing will separate us from God beautiful, rich, just in those four quick sentences. Now let's take a look at verse two. So in verse two, we see God being referred to as wisdom from on high. Oh, come, O wisdom from on high, who ordered all things mightily to us, the path of knowledge show and teach us in its ways to go. Now, I love this because for one, it cries out to God's orderly nature. He's purposeful, which we see from the very beginning of Genesis 1 and 2 with the creation of the world to God's plan for salvation and his coming of Christ at the specific time that it did. And then, of course, we look again at Revelations and we even see the orderliness to Revelations and God's second coming. It's absolutely incredible. So we love that because not only does it show his orderliness, but we also see evidence for his existence and the affirmation that God is truth. And through this truth, we can have right knowledge. And this knowledge we are called as parents and as grandparents and educators and believers to pass on to the next generation. Because one thing that's consistent throughout Israel's history and human history is that when we do pass on these teachings, our children do not pick them up. And we as believers are called to pass them on to our children. So that they can now know the way in which they're supposed to go. It's absolutely beautiful. And we see this once again encapsulated within the Psalms. Psalms 25, 4 and 5 says, Teach me your ways, O Lord. Make them known to me. Teach me to live according to your truth. For you are my God who saves me. Again, only God can save. And he is by nature truth. I 
always trust in you. And it's just beautiful that we see this teach me your ways. It's not just something that we see in Psalms. We also see it in New Testament crying out as well. And that's what we are called to do as parents, to raise up our kids and teach them and pass on this knowledge of salvation to our children. Now in verse three, we see God being referred to as Adonai. Oh, come Adonai, great Lord of might, who to your tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times did give the law in cloud and majesty and awe. So we not only see God's presence within the Old Testament, again, this crying back to Exodus, we also see this Adonai, which demonstrates God's sovereignty over our lives. And we see it demonstrated not only within his people, but in the passing of the law, which is through that law, we're able to discern right action. And it also acts as a, as a measuring rod to show how we cannot measure up. We cannot keep all of these laws. Instead, we needed a savior. We needed Emmanuel to come to us. And he did. He came in the form of a baby in a stable waiting for us to be able to grow up and to eventually die for us so that we can be reconciled to God. It's absolutely beautiful. It demonstrates his power and his protection. And it's an important reminder too that God is in control. Again, pointing back to his sovereignty, we can trust him with our lives and we can also patiently await his provision. During the Christmas season, patience is a hard thing, especially for our little ones. And so when we can point back to these verses and say, look, sweetheart, we see not only God's provision at the time of Exodus, but we also see it at the time of Christ's coming. And so much patience had to be uh, had to be demonstrated and practiced by God's people. And when we are faithful to God, when we are rooted in his trust and his knowledge that he gives us, when we trust what he tells us, then all oh, blessings come from that through this faithfulness. Now in verse four, we see a shift. We see, O come, O branch of Jesse's stem, unto your own and rescue them. From depths of hell, your people save and give them victory over the grave. Now, in some translations, this can actually come out to, uh, O come, thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny, which I really like that aspect of it because it really exposes the spiritual battle that goes on. Now, you'll notice that Jesse, the stem of Jesse, it's referred to like there's a branch and then also the rod of Jesse. Now, if you remember from Psalms 23, you'll know that the good shepherd not only guides his sheep with a staff, but he also has a rod. And these were two distinct instruments. The rod is a reference to not only discipline, but protection. Because when wolves would come to attack the flock, he was going to take that rod and fight them away. And that's what we're seeing here in this verse, a rod of Jesse free thine own from Satan's tyranny. So here we have Christ, our defender. So he is our protector. He provides for us. It's absolutely beautiful. So for our children, especially in times of uncertainty, we can know, wait a second, we have the rod of Jesse. That is Christ Jesus. He is not only our loving father, but he is our disciplinarian and our protector. And this passage is a specific fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah, Isaiah 11, 1 through 2. Now, what's incredible about this prophecy is these prophecies within Isaiah were given 700 years before the birth of Christ. And you can talk to your kids, be like, can you imagine if someone was talking about you specifically, not only you by name, but what you would go to do 700 years before you were born? blow their minds. But that's exactly what God did is he gave his word to the prophet Isaiah. And listen to what he says. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. With righteousness, he will judge the needy. 
With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with a breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Now, oh, it's just incredible. We see so many aspects of God's divine nature, not only his righteousness, meaning his ability to judge right from wrong justly to his people. He will give decisions to the poor. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and he will bring justice to the wicked. These are incredible attributes that we want to know about God and that we can rest in. Like we we love the idea of God as a father, but what's incredible is that God is also our protector. And it's a wonderful thing that we can encourage to our children too, that this focus is that God will save his people from evil. So we need not be intimidated by the world. In fact, remember the passage, how it was talking about how we are exiles, we are separated. This wasn't just for these ancient Israelites. This is for us today. If you're a believer in Christ, you're basically a cultural exile in today's time. And we are still calling out to Emmanuel to come that second coming of Christ. And what we can know as cultural exiles is that when we get pushback from the world for not bowing down to the way the world does things, the way the world believes and teaches, then we know, wait a second, God not only protects us, he will save us from evil, and ultimately we will have life forever in heaven. It's absolutely wonderful. Now check out verse five. In verse five, we see, O come, O key of David, I mean, has anybody ever called you a key before? But here we see Jesus being referred to as the key of David. Come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe for us the heavenward road and bar the way to death's abode. Now, this focus is that Christ is the only way to heaven, so we needn't fear death. In fact, when we look within Scripture, we see that this key is a reference to God's control and also his authority because only Christ has the authority to open up heaven. We see this demonstrating also Jesus's authority of the church. You see this in Revelations 3, 7 and Isaiah 22, 22, that only he is in control of the church. And in Revelations 3 specifically, we see encouragement to the church of Philadelphia. So they were encouraged. They were recognized for their faithfulness to God. And God encouraged them to still remain faithful within the midst of their trials, that they didn't need to fear the wrath or false teachings of man because it's only God who controls the path to heaven. And their faith is called a crown. And we know through scripture that we are to cast these crowns before the Lord. Eventually, we will all be able to do that, which is wonderful. But this is also an important encouragement to your children, again, that they needn't fear the world, that they needn't fear their salvation for when they have accepted Christ, it's guaranteed unto them. And it's beautiful and that God protects us and we don't have to fear death as well. Now in verse six, what we see is, O come, O bright and morning star, and bring us comfort from afar. Dispel the shadows of the night and turn our darkness into light. Now, in some translations, the instead of O bright and morning star, this is called day spring from on high, but they have the same meaning. They're referring to the sun or the dawning of the sun, the morning star. And this reference to night and shadows is also a reference to separateness and death. So what we're seeing is, oh, come morning star, bring us comfort, dispel the shadows of the night and turn our darkness into light. There is this wonderful expectation that even in the midst of shadows and darkness, again, that separateness, that death, that we know that Christ is coming and that's where our hope is. And that's what kind of the focus is for this verse six is that there's hope in future deliverance. And we actually see this pointed back to in Hebrews, I believe it's 1113. So Hebrews 11, it's that hall of faith. And one thing that we are told within the book of Hebrews is that the wonder, the members of the hall of faith, they had this faith 
even though they were not going to see the coming of Christ. They saw it from afar. They welcomed it from afar. They knew it was coming, that they weren't going to see it in their lifetime, but they had faith in the promises and in the nature of God to where they could still rejoice, even though they specifically weren't going to personally witness it. And this is just wonderful, this future deliverance, that even in our lifetime, even if we die before Christ's coming, we know that ultimately the earth is going to be restored and that we are going to be able to dwell with Christ for eternity. And that is just an immense blessing. Sometimes when we are overwhelmed by the trials and tribulations of this world, which for some of you become very obvious during this Christmas season, what we have is hope in the day spring, in the dawning, in the second coming of Christ, because we knew that we will be united with our Savior and for eternity, we will be able to rejoice and worship Him. And that is a huge, huge blessing. And that only comes through Christ. It's not through any earthly weapon. Uh, effort. It is not through any false philosophy or doctrine or false gods or other religions. No, it only comes through Christ. Lastly, we have verse seven. O come, O king of nations, bind in one the hearts of all mankind. Bid all your sad divisions cease and be yourself our king of peace. Now, this is wonderful that this is the closing passage because we we not only see the hopeful expectation at the beginning of this verse, but we also see what's promised to come is that when the day spring dawns, when Christ returns, what happens is he is the true king of all nations. So all of mankind, there's not going to be any more divisions or fighting anymore. Instead, we are going to have eternal peace. And we see this referenced in Isaiah 11, specifically 6 through 10. There's just this beautiful listing of all these predatory creatures, predator and prey, sitting down and being together and not having to fear the wrath of each other. We also see the uniting of the Jews and Gentiles, because again, through Christ, there is no Jew, no Gentile, no male, no female, no slave, no master. Instead, we are all one in Christ. And what's amazing too is in Revelations 15, 3, we see this praise of God. He's referred to as the King of nations, this praise of Jesus, great and marvelous are your deeds, just are your ways, O King of nations. And what that kind of references, what it points back to is back in 1 Samuel 8, 1, what we see is Israel completely rejecting God. And they ask for an earthly king. They said, no, 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 we want to be just like everyone else in the world. And we want an earthly king. And isn't that funny how whenever we desire this cheap counterfeit, it ultimately falls short. And that's what happened to the people as they wanted an earthly counterfeit for an eternal and all-powerful God. But what we see and what's referenced in this last verse, O King of Nations, is referring, wait a second, ultimately God is the King of Nations. He is the one in control. He is the one that binds the hearts of mankind. He is the one that can rescue us, that He, His blood paid for our sin. It is His blood that we are justified and that we are sanctified before God. And it's incredible. And ultimately, He will rule over this new earth. And that peace is from Him and through Him. And so not only was this a promise to the Israelites, it's our comfort now because we can receive this peace when we accept Christ as our Savior. But we also have a future hope too in knowing that when Christ returns, ultimately there will be no weeping, there will be no wars, there will be no brokenness, no cancer, no loss. Instead, there will only be perfect bodies worshiping a perfect God. This song is an absolute beautiful reminder of the hope that we have in Christ, the hope for the future Israelites, but also hope for us today. And we hope 
from uh, all of us at Mama Bear that when you hear this song, you can point out some of these anchors, these theological anchors to your children so that they will have comfort in knowing who God is, that he is their champion and their redeemer. And that when they hear this song, they're able to worship and just love and spend time with Christ even more. So what we've uh, encouraged for you is as you're singing the song, as it comes up, ask your kids, what are the favorite attributes that they see recognized in God? Which one speaks to them the most? Which one brings them great comfort? And one of the ways that you can do this is since there are seven verses and there's seven days in the week, pick one for each day of the week, read that passage and share some of the interesting facts with your kids and ask their input. How does this give you comfort? How do we see these promises demonstrated not only Old Testament, but in New Testament? And how can we articulate some of these promises to our friends and family this holiday season? We hope you've enjoyed this podcast with us today. Stick around as we go into our next Sunday, which is our Sunday of peace. And you will find out what our carol is next week. This has been a Mama Bear Apologetics recording. To learn more about Mama Bear Apologetics, please visit us on the web at www.mamabearapologetics.com. We hope you learned a little more about how to sift through ideas, accept the good, reject the bad, and now you can go teach your kids to do the same. Do you have any questions or maybe some ideas about future podcast episodes? Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com and we'll do our best. Rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. We are all in this together.